You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and thanks for tuning in to tonight's Best Possible Taste with me, Sharon Noonan. Coming up on the show this evening, food and wine writer Leslie Williams returns, this time to give us an insight into port. Easy Food Magazine's Caroline Gray will be asking, are you a home cook hero? And telling you how to turn those skills into some fantastic prizes. And I'll be talking to Andy Noonan, organiser of the Big Grill Festival that starts on Thursday and runs until Sunday in Dublin. As always, at the start of the show, I like to tell you how to get in touch with me. Feel free to drop me an email, s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation. So I've mentioned a few times here on the show that I've been plotting and planning a food trip to Belfast. Well, thanks to O'Callaghan Coach Holidays in Killarney, it's all come together and it's taking place from Friday, October the 9th until Sunday, October the 11th. Full details were revealed to West Limerick 102 FM listeners on the exchange programme a few weeks ago when my colleague Trish McMahon interviewed me and I got the chance to tell her and her listeners all about the trip. Well, tonight I've that interview to share with you, so let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Now, you're very welcome back to The Exchange with me, Trish. And up next, I have in studio with me Sharon Noonan. Hello, Sharon. How are Hello, you? I'm great, Trish. Great to be here on the other side of the desk. <laughs> it's nice to be interviewed for a change. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I think I'd rather be the interviewer <laughs> and the interviewee. But it's great to be here. Thanks very much for having me. Oh, you're most welcome. No bother at all. And of course, Sharon, you'll all recognise Sharon's voice. Sharon is the presenter of Best Possible Taste. And that's Tuesdays, 8 to 9. And it's air to your West Limerick 102 FM. So uh, Sharon does some great interviews there. She's a really strong interest in food. She does a fantastic show here on Tuesday evenings on West Limerick 102 FM, 8 to 9 p.m. And I'm just wondering, Sharon, what sparked your interest in food? Well, who doesn't like food? But I suppose specifically the food show came about as a bit of a long story, but I will, I'll shorten it down. I always had an interest in radio and I actually did work experience in a radio station in Belfast whenever I was a teenager. But I was told nobody wants to listen to that accent. This was not a nice oh, accent. No. Yeah, this is not a nice accent in Northern Ireland. So I kind of put that to the back of my head and went and did the sensible degree and got the sensible job. And then I met a very nice man who wouldn't leave his mammy. So I had to leave mine. And I came to Newcastle West. And I, I must say, I do absolutely love it here. And a few years ago, there was an ad in the Weekly Observer saying that they were looking for people to do a course here in West Limerick 102. So I said, yeah, I'll go along and do that. And I can do something behind the scenes because nobody wants to listen to this accent was still in my in your mind. yeah. And everybody in the group said, oh, no, we love the Northern Irish accent down here you must do a show well of course I was thinking if you saw my CD collection you would not want me to do a music show and around the same time I had been involved in Taste of West Fest the first year that they had done it and as a result of that I had been asked to be a guest judge at the Great Taste Awards whenever you're out doing your shopping you'll sometimes see a little label on some food products and if it says it's a Great Taste Award it has a star or two star definitely buy it it's a great product and I was doing the training here at at West Limerick 102 and at the same time I was in Dublin as a judge at the Great Taste Awards and I met this guy called Nigel Barden 
And Nigel is from BBC Radio and has a slot with Simon Mayo where he talks about food and different things. So I thought, okay, well, maybe I could do something in food at West Limerick 102 because... I grew up in a, in a greengrocer's. My father and mother had shops all around Ballymena and, and they still have one in Brasheen just outside Ballymena in County Antrim. So I suppose I did grow up surrounded by food and the mm-hmm. whole ethos of where food comes from and we would have been out in farms and different producers and whatnot. So I came back to the studio and I pitched the idea to the management here and they said, yep, yeah, sounds great, let's, let's go for it. And before I knew what was happening, it was September 2013 and here I was presenting Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102. Fantastic. You've been doing it so for nearly four years no, now? No, nearly two years. Nearly, nearly two, two years, years now, okay. September 2013. And I okay. have to say, I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. I love the opportunity to go out and meet different people, to talk about how they got their ideas for their businesses, just hearing about dis- different recipes, having people in the studio, particularly Ron Forrestal, the wine merchant that comes in once a month and always brings a couple of bottles of oh, wine I with love him. Sure you can't say no to that. <laughs> and I, I, really say, I, I really have to say it has opened up so many different opportunities for me on yeah. a professional capacity which has been absolutely super. Yeah, that really comes across when you're speaking to people on your show that your love of food and your connection to the people that are producing the food, it really does come across very well Sharon. I think you do a fantastic show on Tuesday nights, you really do. You oh, get great. Thank you very much. Thank yeah. you. I will. It's well deserved. You get that. great guests, guests in and you're, you know, you can really tell that you love food. Now speaking of food, this of course is food related and you're going to be speaking to us today about Sharon Noonan's Belfast Food Trail this sounds yummy now this starting Friday the 9th of October to Sunday the 11th of October this year well I always try to feature Northern Ireland Northern Ireland's producers restaurants chefs on the show at least once a month because it is where I'm from I am very proud to be from there and are you from Belfast Sharon I'm from Ballymena in County Antrim but I would have studied in Belfast I went to Queen's University in Belfast and would have lived there then after I graduated and it is a fantastic city and it has changed so much even in the nine and a half years since I left it and I love going back and seeing the new places and going to the new restaurants and a lot of people would say oh you know it's so far away and how long does it take you to get up there and it really puts them off the distance yeah and um, I'd said look you know I have to do a food visit up there at some stage where people are all put on a bus they don't have to worry about driving or getting trains or whatever and I'd started to investigate it last year and then I went to this coach company they're called O'Callaghan's Coach Holidays they're down in Killarney and they would do tours all around Ireland to to various different places Mm -hmm. and I asked them if they would be interested in working with me that I would design a visit to Belfast that I would pick out all the good places to go there's a Belfast food tour in there we have some nice stops on the way up the road as well and they said yep fantastic let's do it so we have done it we've put it all together and it's going to be on from Friday the 9th of October until Sunday the 11th of October this year God it sounds absolutely yummy do you want to take us through what what are some of the highlights now from this tour well it starts off on the Friday morning and 
O'Callaghan's are based in Killarney, so you can go to their base and hop on the bus there, or they're, they're going to be travelling up to Limerick and have a stop at Finnegan. So if you're in Adair, Abbey Field, Newcastle West, of course they're going to stop along the way and pick you up. There's no problem there. Okay. And then we'll go to Malahide, and at Malahide there's a fabulous place, the Avoca store there, oh, that does yes. fantastic. Yeah fantastic coffee a lovely cafe you can buy bits and bobs there as well and there's lovely gardens also so you can stretch the legs there back onto the coach and we had looked at going into Dublin but then I felt you know everybody can go to Dublin and people go to Dublin all the time whereas Malahide is somewhere that maybe people haven't been to or would, would think yeah I would like to go there but they don't get the chance to visit it so it's a lovely stop and then back onto the bus and up to Belfast to the four star Europa Hotel the world famous Europa Hotel and that's where we're going to stay for the next two nights it's in the heart of Belfast perfect location just opposite the Crown Bar there and so I'm sure we'll get across there for a bit of a tipple at some stage and on the Friday evening we're going to the award winning Ox Belfast. It's the most fabulous restaurant in Belfast. They've won umpteen awards now. They're only open a couple of years, but they're the best restaurant in Ulster, the best wine experience in Ireland, and they also have won the best customer service award as well at the Irish Restaurant Awards. And we'll have a five-course seasonal menu there with wine, and it's a beautiful setting just opposite the lag, and so it'll be a fantastic night. Stephen Toman and Alan Curlock, who own the restaurant together, I've met them both personally Personally, they always look after their customers. They're all about the whole experience. It's not just about the food. Mm-hmm. In an interview before, they've both been on the show before, and in an interview they did say to me that, and this was Alan said, that, that people have invested time and energy to come out for the night. They've organised babysitters. They've maybe gone and got their hair done. As soon as they arrive at the door of Ox, they want the experience to be top class until they walk out again. Mm-hmm. They yeah. really recognise the effort that people go to go out for a night and especially for this restaurant you you may have to book it months in advance to get a table and it it is so popular okay so that's the friday night and then on the saturday morning we're going to get up and go and do the belfast food tour with caroline wilson who won the 2015 ulster food hero caroline is actually a solicitor by day but she's she's given it all up now for a year or two i heard her on the radio on ulster radio there a few weeks ago and she said she was taking a career break she hadn't told her mother <laughs> oh dear. So her mother was okay about that so she does this this belfast food tour it starts off in St George's Market which is a bit like the milk market and she talks through the history of it and then you go to a few different stalls and you can if, if it's a coffee you want or if it's a cup of tea that you want and there's all history around this cup of tea and this cup of coffee oh, and then there's all sorts of different nibbles along the way but it, they're very substantial now because there's lots of nibbles Okay, lots of nibbles. You'll be well fed, you won't um, be hungry yeah. definitely. You okay. come out of there into the streets of Belfast and there's a few different stops there. Now she's very much about what goes on, what happens on tour stays on tour. She doesn't like people to give too much okay. away about where you go and what types of foods and everything you experience. But having personally done the tour, it is fantastic. And okay. you finish off in a lovely Italian restaurant that uses Northern Irish produce and Prosecco. Lovely. The perfect end to it. So you have the Prosecco then. And you've some, it's lovely. You've, you've booked in free time in Belfast as well for people that want to have a little bit of maybe shopping time or something. Absolutely, yeah. Because yeah. There, the, this finishes around half past two. So you can stay on and have another glass of Prosecco. The bus can take you back to the hotel or you can just 
Stander around the shops because the hotel is so central. Mm-hmm. Like nothing is really 15 minutes away, 15 minutes walk away. It's all so handy. Okay. And when we go back to the hotel, then get ready to go out for dinner that evening. And Jilly Duggan is going to be coming to the, the Europa to meet us because there's a rooftop edible garden in the Europa. Oh, wow. With lots of different produce growing on it that the the hotel would use in yeah. their, their restaurant and um, oh, Jilly, love to see that. Jilly is yeah. the designer of this garden but short cross gin are also coming so they're going to bring a little taster <laughs> or two of their gin or a big taster even <laughs> which goes so well with things like mint and rosemary and, and so people can enjoy that before we head off out to dinner oh fabulous and dinner on Saturday night is a more relaxed affair than oxes or it's well ox will also be relaxed but it's not the fine dining tasting menu because I kind of felt we, we would have done that on the Friday night mm-hmm. and then on the Saturday because we'd gone on the tour and you'd be eating all day you wouldn't know god i'm a hungry i'm a not hungry so it's a kind of a supper type evening okay and it's it's in a restaurant that won the best casual dining in ulster and then the sunday morning i should say actually about the breakfast in the europa that they're all about using the the local producers to make their belva their their breakfast and they have a lovely booklet that has details of, of where all the produce comes from so I'm sure everybody will get a copy of that and they'll also get copies of the the Taste of Ulster Guides. I recently had Barbara Collins on the show. Barbara's based in Galway, but she's from Belfast. She'll be Northern Ireland's premier food writer. So she wrote these two books. One of them has all the restaurants throughout Northern Ireland and at all the top end in terms of the quality of the produce restaurants and then the producers as well. So different people from oils, butter, fudge, jams, you name it, is in it as well. And um, she won a top award at the World Gourmand Cookbook Awards recently in China. It's it's a superb award. It's a huge accomplishment. So everybody's going to get copies of those. That'll be a lovely copy to keep. Absolutely. And then after the breakfast on Sunday, there's free time again. So you can walk around the shops and then at two o'clock we're going to pop onto the coach and head back down the road and we'll be stopping then at Hearts Bar in Kildare for a three course meal and that's the best gastro pub in Leinster again somewhere I have personally experienced Barry Liscombe is the chef there he would have been on I think it was around Valentine's Day he had a lovely Valentine's recipe for us in February and that brings the, the tour really the trip to a close we'll come on back down and people will be dropped off wherever they need dropped off and hopefully they will have had a fabulous weekend oh it sounds fantastic Sharon and you won't miss the journey travelling with other people there's plenty of little stops on the way and there's, it's all jam packed with award winning restaurants and the best gastro pub in Leinster that'll be a very popular spot but I'm just wondering the clientele that this is aimed at would they need to be a discerning diner or is it just somebody that's interested in food and expanding their repertoire of taste in Northern Ireland? Not necessarily. I think, you know, it's a nice two-night, three-day break away. Mm. It's only for 20 people. We're restricting it to 20 people. Where can people uh, uh, book into this or find out a bit more about it? Is there a website or if phone go, number? Yep, if they go to O'CallaghanCoachHolidays.ie, all the details will be there and they can contact Catherine Kelly is the lovely lady in O'Callaghan's that I've been working with. She's been an absolute star. So thank you, Catherine, if you're listening. 
Oh, that's great, Sharon. I wish you the very best of luck with it. Oh, thanks so much, Trish. <laughs> Sharon will be there to look after you if you want to go on this tour. Sharon Noonan's Belfast Food Trail. Keep it in your diary now, Friday the 9th of October to Sunday the 11th of October. And uh, if you want to be in with a chance to go on that tour, do get in contact because that's just fantastic. I'm drooling here now. My mouth is watering, but uh, I might be I'll on bring it you myself. Back a doggy bag. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Sharon, for joining us today. Thanks, Trish. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to tonight's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and if you just joined us, we heard all about my Belfast food trip just before the break. A special thanks again to my colleague Trish McMahon who presents The Exchange here on West Limerick 102 for doing that interview with me and airing it on the exchange and the exchange is usually on from half 11 in the morning until 1 o'clock in the afternoon Monday to Friday but they're taking a little break for August and they'll return in September I think Trish is still on on Wednesdays so so if you want to have a listen there half 11 to 1 o'clock on Wednesdays I do hope to meet some of you the listeners on the trip to Belfast and I can promise you we will have some crack the website with all the details is ocallahancoachholidays.ie or you can email me s.noonan at live.ie and uh, I'll send you the link or you can also tweet me at Queen of Borg. Never fear if you've missed some of the show because it will be up on the Best Possible Taste podcast later on in the week along with all the previous shows and you'll find the podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show. And still to come tonight, Easy Food Magazine's Caroline Gray will be asking are you a home cook hero and telling you how to turn those skills into some fantastic prizes. And I'll be talking to Andy Noonan, organiser of the Big Grill Festival that starts in Thursday and runs until Sunday and that's on in Dublin. But before that, it's time to look at port. Food and wine writer Leslie Williams was on the show a few weeks ago and he was talking about sherry and having enjoyed some port with cheese one night after dinner, I said to myself, now there's something we should cover on Best Possible Taste and no better man than Leslie to ask and Leslie is on the line now. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. Welcome back to the programme, Leslie. Hi, Sharon. Thanks for inviting me back on again. The last time you were on, you were talking about sherry, and tonight we're going to talk about port. Yes, so two fortified wines, the two, two of the most underrated wines in the world, in my view, uh, and two that are, I still think, given the quality, reasonably good value. So sherry is a dry white wine that you then add in some grape spirit to, or brandy, we say for short. So a... a, a a spirit made from having distilled wine uh, so that it, it's effectively a brandy but it wouldn't have been aged in wood so you add that into the sherry and then you then age it after that port is different port is um, a red wine although also a white wine which I'll get to later uh, but in general it's a red wine and as the grape juice is fermenting into alcohol when it's about halfway fermented you then add the brandy with sherry you add it after the fermentation has stopped but adding the, the brandy or the grape spirit before the wine is fully fermented stops the fermentation in its tracks and because the um, because the yeast is not fully fermented the juice the, the sugar you're left with a little bit of sugar left over in the in the drink so it's residual sugar we call that and that's why port is a little bit sweeter so wine goes into bottles and it does what it needs to do in the bottles but with port and sherry, this all happens in the in a barrel. It does. 
Okay. It does. It does. Um, so, I mean, well, it, in a tank, more than likely, initially. Um, and that's the same with wine. I mean, before wine is blended and so on, before it's bottled, you would leave it in the tank and you would, you know, maybe, you know, mix in some from the northwest field and some from the, the lower left field and so on. And so it is blended in the same way. But, in, yeah, in general, the action that's taken on port and sherry happens in a tank or in a barrel. With port, though, what makes it interesting is that there's, there's different styles, and it is always a little bit sweeter, but I do still think of it as a wine. It's what we call a fortified wine, a wine that's been strengthened by the adding of a little bit of grape spirit. Now, at its simplest is ruby port, and that is just aged for uh, a few years, two, two three years, uh, and it is sweet and simple and rich, and that's, that's what you would be using for mixing with brandy, um, if you didn't upset tummy or making hot ports and so on um, or for just drinking on its own but it, it, it is a rather simple kind of port and I'd be encouraging people particularly in sort of slightly warmer months uh, to be thinking about tawny ports and to be even thinking about white ports um, which uh, possibly have you, ever, have you ever had a white port? No I've never had a, a white port but I know you're saying there about the warmer months to be thinking about different ones but I think people would be thinking more along the lines of a hot port the way the weather is at the moment <laughs> So with a hot port, I mean, uh, I mean, those of us in the wine trade don't generally drink hot ports and so on, but that's only because we've kind of just moved on from those things. But hot port is, is a relatively, uh, I suppose I don't like putting sugar into wine, and generally with hot port you put in a little bit of sugar, um, top it up with hot water, and add a little bit of uh, a slice of lemon or a slice of orange with some cloves in it to add a little bit of extra spice. And look, it is a perfectly pleasant drink, and I, I, it, is, it, is, it is actually warming, and it, it does sort of make you feel better. Um, and the same with sort of mulled wine, but please don't do this with, with good quality ports, is, is, is my view. I mean, it, 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 it's not going to benefit, really, the drink, um, because what you're going to taste is the, the, you're going to smell the clothes, and you're going to taste the hot and the sugar, and that's what you're going to taste, not the, the quality of the, of the grape juice. I must confess, I am very partial to hot port in the summer. With, or not in the summer, sorry, in the winter. You know, maybe at racing or when we're if we've gone racing or something like that. And I do yeah. like a lot of sugar in it. Yeah. yeah, and look, and that's fine. I mean, and and I would never tell anybody how to. You know what? It's it's like with whiskey. People say, oh, you should only drink whiskey neat with no water in it. Look, if people want to put water in it, fine. If you want to put ice in it, fine. But please do support the native Irish whiskey industry. Do you know what I mean? And put sure. Coca-Cola in it if you want to. I have no problem with that. Um, but obviously, if it's the very best, finest quality whiskey, it's probably best just to have it with a little sip of water, um, or possibly even on its own, if, if 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 that's what you would like. And the same, I would say with with port. I mean, if if you have a good bottle of port it's probably best to try and drink that um, at the right temperature um, after a meal with some cheese or perhaps uh, before a meal. The French actually drink it generally as an aperitif. We tend to think of, it, of port as a digestif, um, but in France it's more commonly drunk as a, as, a, as a drink at the beginning of the meal. Well, tell me now, if you open a bottle of it, how long? Because a number of, of bottles like sherry, when we had this conversation about sherry before and I put port into the same category... They're the sort of drink that people maybe open and it's hanging around in the cupboard for a long time once it's opened. Yeah, so that isn't good to leave it for ages. But, I mean, it will keep for a month reasonably well. Um, so don't put it back in the cupboard for a start. Put it on the table or put it somewhere obvious that's in front of you that you will remember to drink it. That would be my first piece of advice. Um, maybe even put it in the, in the fridge. I, you know, it, it would be against convention, but I actually quite like a little bit of chilled uh, quality to my port um, especially for tawny styles which is the uh, the lighter style that's aged in oak for a little bit longer um, should I maybe run through very quickly the, the different styles of port because there, there is more than one style so the standard port that everybody sees is ruby port and that's your Sandyman three star 
simple port. It's all the standard ports that you see at the, at the, at the lowest level, and they're red. Um, and that's aged for about three years um, before it's released. Now, if you age it a little bit longer, and particularly in barrel for a little bit longer, um, you might then sometimes get what's called late bottled vintage port. And that's wine from the same year that's been aged a little bit longer. And it's not usually that much more expensive. If standard port is 15, this is maybe 18 to 20, depending on the, on the producer, maybe 25 if, if it's a good one. Um, and then you will sometimes see sort of special bottlings, and they'll have a, a sort of a branded name, and really they're just sort of sophisticated tawnies. Um, Quinta de Naval do one called Black Label. It, it's just really a slightly better aged one. Um, but if I could jump then from that basic level, which is simpler ports, which are only aged a couple of years, to the top level, and that's vintage port, and that's the old classic style that you have to decant because it um, has a lot of sediment in the bottle, and that ages for 20 years. In fact, you shouldn't really drink it before it's 15 years old. And that style has lost a little bit of popularity recently, purely because people don't like the idea of having to wait for a long time to drink it, and then once they open it, they've got to find a way to decant it into something. I mean, it's, it's quite straightforward to decant. You just pour it slowly until you see little bits appearing, um, and then you stop, and then that's, that's how you decant. Um, but those are the, the, the two extremes. And between those two extremes is a style that's becoming more and more popular, and that's Tony Port. And it takes on a tawny color, a sort of a brown color. Think of a tawny owl. Um, and that is that style, it, that, that is that color because of its extra aging in wood. Some of the colors fall out. And that's generally available in sort of 10-year-old tawny, 20-year-old tawny. And you can get up to 40, 50-year-old tawny, although they tend to be very, very expensive. Well, I, that was going to be my next question to you because whenever you talk about vintage and something has to be 10 or 20 years old, that immediately in my head conjures up the idea that it, it, it's going to be pricey. It, it is pricey, yeah. But let me put it this way. If, if you, you know, inherited a bit of money and you wanted to buy something to lay down to drink in 20 years' time on the 25th anniversary of your wedding or of... of you know, for your son's 30th birthday or something and he's now 10, um, then something like port is fantastic because it, it will happily last that long. I've tasted port from the 1950s and it's still delicious. It's still perfectly, perfectly good. Um, so, yeah, it is a bit more expensive, but it's a, it's a hundred, right? So for the very best quality vintage port, you're talking 50 to 100. You will sometimes see it um, in bargains. And I should say that uh, you will get lesser-known ones. Tesco have one for 26.99 or something, um, which is ridiculously cheap. And it is a vintage port that will last for 15, 20 years. Um, so, yes, it's more expensive, but it's not in comparison with wine of the same quality. It, it's a bargain. A bottle of Chateau Margaux, which will last 30 years, will cost you €1,200. A bottle of Taylor's Vintage Port from a good year, say, 2011, 2007, 2000, um, will cost you about 100 which, while that's expensive, it's a tenth of the price that similar quality in wine would cost you. I'm, you've just made me think it's a good idea maybe to buy that for an engagement present as, a, as opposed to a bottle yeah. of champagne because... I've, I've, I've done that. Yeah. Um, I've, I've sometimes found out the year the couple met and if it's, if it's a year that uh, Port um, was released. Port isn't released, Vintage Port isn't released every year. Um, but, if, but I've done that, you know, if I knew that a couple, found that a couple of them had met five, say, years before, I'd bought a bottle from that year. It's not practical to buy a bottle from the year they're getting married because um, it wouldn't have been released yet because uh, port and so on and wine as well is released, you know, a couple of years after it's made. Um, let me just skip back very quickly to Tony Port. So the Tony Port isn't too bad. I mean, the, the, there's, I think it's a Taylor's one that's available in Super Value at about 25 euros and sometimes even less. 
and that's um, a lighter style of port, which you, which in Portugal they would always keep in the fridge during the summer, and would, you would drink cool. And sometimes they even mix it with uh, tonic water um, and a little bit of ice to make a long drink. Um, so these are, you know, there are other ways of drinking port other than this sort of, you know, in with reverence, with you know, expensive cheese or in a sort of a formal dinner party way. It, it, it is something that can also be drunk quite light. White port is the same thing. It's it's a nice light crisp style. Um, but still with some sweetness, but again, can be mixed with tonic and is best served chilled. Um, it isn't that commonly available, though. You will have to go to a specialist off license to find uh, white port. Okay, well, that's an interesting one to definitely look out for because I hadn't heard of that before. I shall, get you, I shall bring you some down the next time I'm down. Oh, great. Thanks very much. I look forward to that and I will definitely hold you to that. Now, Port Portugal, or, yeah. you know, did I read that? It's a bit like Parmaham. It has to come from a certain part yeah, of the so world so to, to take is, on that um, name. Yeah, so it, it, it is... Port can only come from Portugal. Um, you will find other fortified wines that are made in a port style from Australia and from other countries. Um, and they'll often be called something clever. Uh, for example, there's a, a very good port made in Australia called Starboard. If you think of the other side of the ship, port being left, starboard being right... So that was quite clever. And you'll, you'll see other sort of port styles. Um, you'll see ones called maybe tawny, because the word tawny is not necessarily, um, it, it, it's, it's not been written down in law that that can only refer to port, um, but it's a tawny-style port made in Australia. Um, Curious Wines down in Cork, for example, is a very good one um, called tawny from Australia. But in general, all port, uh, if it's called port, must come from the Douro Valley in northern Portugal. And that's, uh, that river Douro is the same river as the river Duero, any Spanish wine fans out there may have heard of Ribera del Duero, and that river continues on through Spain into Portugal where it becomes the Douro. And the Douro is a really spectacular um, wine region, one of the most spectacular in the world. It's this really steep hillside, and the vines are planted into the hills. They need constant reinforcement, or they'll fall over into the sea. It, it generally is tended, these are generally vineyards tended by hand, because you just can't get a tractor up those, uh, up those steep hillsides. Um, and the town of Porto uh, is where um, the Douro hits the sea, and that's where the port lodges are, and that's where the, uh, the houses are, or at least there, or in the, the next village, which is Villanova um, de Gea, which is, which is a little, port, little village right beside there. I'm actually going to Portugal in September to visit this, uh, this region, so I'm looking forward to it. I haven't actually been there, I must confess, but uh, I, can, I can give you a report on that later in the year, and I'll We'd tell you exactly it, how yeah. I got on. Great. Okay, well, that's it's fascinating. I just find this all fascinating. I hope the listeners do too. It's also interesting, and you've such great knowledge about it, Leslie. Also, so people should keep an eye out for your column in the Irish Examiner. Yes, um, and uh, I'm on Twitter as well. You'll you'll find me. But um, but yeah, and just the one last thing about uh, Portugal. It is a really interesting wine country at the moment. You've never heard of any of the grapes. Only seven percent of the grapes in Portugal are grapes you've heard of. Um, the rest of them are things like Torriga Nacional and Alfacera and Trincadera and these bizarre grapes that no one else is growing. And so there's genuinely different flavours coming from Port and uh, from Portugal. And uh, that is the same grapes that are being used in Port wine and wines from the Douro Valley. And so you know, keep an eye on the Portuguese section in your local supermarket or office. Okay, great. We'll have a fabulous trip there, and we look forward to hearing all about it on your return. Thanks, Sharon. All the best. Bon appetit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. 
Thanks again to Leslie. And if you have a favourite tipple that Leslie might be able to advise on, please let me know, s.noonan at live.ie, and Leslie can enlighten us the next time he is here on the show. And my next guest tonight is going to enlighten us about the Easy Food Home Cook Hero Competition. If you can whisk up a great dish, it could earn you lots of prizes and a ticket to a fabulous bash at the Shelburne Hotel in Dublin. Caroline Gray is on the phone now to tell us more. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Caroline, the 2015 Easy Food magazine Home Cook Hero competition. Very exciting that you're looking for entries at the moment. We are, yeah. We're open for this year's Home Cook Hero Awards and uh, looking forward to just another really exciting event. So everyone that's uh, busy in the kitchen, it's time to start submitting your recipes. Now, there's lots of different categories. And if you want to talk us through some of those, just so people know the sort of dishes that can be entered. Sure. Yeah, so um, we have a few categories listed already, and it's great because kind of depending on what you cook at home, chances are it's going to fit into one of these categories. Um, They're sponsored, and so we want to just make sure that those sponsors' products are included. But, for instance, um, I'll just run you through the categories here. We have the best burger category sponsored by Mr. Crumb. So that's just any kind of burger. We've had things from fish burgers to veggie burgers to the classic beef burgers, uh, but just making sure to use uh, Mr. Crumb breadcrumbs in those dishes. We have the fabulous fowl category uh, sponsored by Moy Park, and this is literally anything with chicken. So that's really broad, and we've gotten some really, really exciting things in the past in that one. Um, A new category this year is the Super Seeds category sponsored by Linwood's. And these are just kind of really healthy recipes. It can be breakfast, a snack, lunch, anything, Um, just using some of the really healthy, wholesome products from Linwood's range. We have the Everyday Inspirations category sponsored by Birdseye. And this is really fun because it's using kind of some of those freezer staples like um, fish fingers or chicken fillets or frozen veg to create some really nice, exciting dinner ideas. Uh, the Butter Me Up category is always a really popular one that's sponsored by Connacht Gold, and it can be anything sweet or savory using butter. So we tend to get some really, really fun things um, with under the baking category in this one. Uh, there's Easy Cheesy, sponsored by Dubliner Cheese. Uh, this is anything just with cheese in it. So again, really versatile. It can be anything from like just a two-minute snack to a really fun, you know, luxurious dinner. And then the last one we have is Natural Protein Powder. This or Power, excuse me. This is sponsored by Green Farm, and uh, they have the range of really wholesome, nice torn meats. And again, this is kind of just using these in ways where you can make a healthy and wholesome meal for yourself. So a dinner or something like salads or pastas or stir fries. So it's really all about just getting creative and kind of using these ingredients that you probably already have in your kitchen, but. Um, kind of just taking them up a level and bringing them to this national stage. It's very easy to enter. You just go onto the website and you can either print off the application form and fill it in or else do it online. Exactly. That's it. So if you just go, you can either go to our homepage, it's easyfood.ie, and then you can click on the Home Cook Hero tab, and that brings you to the Home Cook Hero website, and that's homecookhero.ie. And here as well, you'll see the Enter Here tab and you can just um, fill in just some basic information like your name and your address and you more or less just kind of list your recipe there and what it means to you Um, and if you prefer like you said you can print off the entry form and post it into the easy food office 
Um, and as well, we have the uh, current issue of Easy Food is on sale now, and the entry form is in that, and it will be in all the next few issues um, up until the award. So there's loads of really easy ways to enter, and just as long as you have your own recipe and what it means to you in about 50 words or less, then you're good to go. Well, there's lots of time to enter because the deadline is October. Whenever that deadline comes around and you've all these entries, what's the next step in the process? So it's always a really fun, but um, it's a it's a lengthy process at that stage because we take all of the entries and we have a panel of shortlist judges. And these are kind of, um, you know, bloggers or food writers or just people in the food business across the country. And um, each will get a category that kind of relates to some of the fields they cover. And so they just narrow it down and um, it comes back to us and we kind of look through them all again to make sure we all agree with everything that's been chosen. It's a really meticulous process because we want to make sure that recipes go through that really show what people do in their own kitchens at home and, and things that have a good meaning behind them. We get so many recipes that are these heirloom dishes that were kind of handed down from grandmothers and as well as things that were just whipped up on a random Tuesday night. So um, once we kind of take those down and whittle those down from like the hundreds and thousands of entries that we get, um, that's when we've received, we, that's when we decide on three short lists for each category. So there's three people then come up to Dublin? Yes, yes. So and, and they have to make them for your panel of judges? That's the thing. So it's, it's always a bit of nerves in the morning because um, all the finalists, so all 30 finalists then, um, are invited up to Cook's Academy in Dublin and they're each given a time slot to create their dish. So uh, they bring in their ingredients and everyone's on hand and like I said, there's the TV crews because um, TV3 filmed the awards and it's then aired a week after the event. But um, as soon as everyone kind of gets cooking, you can see everyone kind of you know, relaxes a bit and we're all there on hand to help. It's not meant to be an intimidating or a stressful day whatsoever. It's all about enjoying it. So they cook their dishes and then they're presented to the judges. And then that night there's the black tie dinner and award ceremony at the Shelburne Hotel in Dublin. So it's a really gorgeous event and everyone has a lot of fun. And that's where the ultimate winners are announced. And two of the judges this year are it's um, Catherine Fulvio, who will be well known to everybody. And then Gina Miltiadu. Am I saying that correctly? Yes, yes exactly. So both Catherine and Gina are returning judges. This is the fifth year of the awards, actually. So um, Catherine is... Is it the fifth year, Caroline? Yeah. Wow. We can't actually believe it ourselves. So (laughs) it just seems to kind of, you know, come up on us every year. And it's always just so exciting. It's everyone's kind of favorite day of the year in the office. So, you know, going to kind of get swinging at it again. It's always, you know, a lot of energy and a lot of excitement. So... Yeah, we're looking forward to it again. And there's going to still be um, a third judge still to be announced. Okay, And it sounds like it is a fabulous night in the Shelburne Hotel. hotel, And all of those finalists go away with something, don't they? They do, exactly. Everybody that makes it to the finalist stage, because, you know, it was such a tough process and it's no easy feat even getting to the final day. Everyone walks away with a hamper of prizes and just being able to call yourself, everyone is a hero, everyone's a home cook hero at the end of the day. So everybody uh, walks away with some prizes and the winners um, will receive up to a thousand euro worth of prizes. Like that's a savage amount of prizes, so it is. It is, it's great. It's. I mean, everyone's always just kind of overwhelmed with the amount you walk away with. Because obviously you get your nice trophy and then the, you know, your plaque, a certificate to say you've competed. And then there's just loads of nice things that we have so many wonderful prize sponsors that 
um, just submit so many really, really fun, uh, like, foodie prizes and destination prizes. So it's well worth entering just for that alone. <laughs> and it is open to all age groups. It is. We've had contestants as young as seven years old and up to, I believe, early 80s. So it really is, you know, it's a competition for absolutely everybody. If you can cook and if you have a dish that you really like to make, like that's what we say, we just go on the website, see where it kind of fits into a category because more often than not it will and just see how you get on with it. And it might not just be the prizes that you end up coming away with because this competition has actually been used as a platform for some people to go on to do even better things in the world of food. For example, publishing books. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We, one of our, um, we've had a few uh, former contestants publish books already. One of the winners from, I believe, two years ago, uh, Fiona Uemo was the winner of the Cockamillish category, and. She's really big into Japanese cooking, and she has been doing, since the award, she's been doing some Japanese cookery demos, and she's just coming out with her own cookbook um, in October, actually. So we're so delighted for her, and it's great because, you know, we build these relationships, too, and it's really nice to kind of stay in touch with everybody as they go back to, you know, their respective parts of the country and kind of build these careers for themselves. It's such a great launching pad. And West Limerick, it has to be said, has a fairly good reputation whenever exactly. it comes to entries we're usually oh, yeah. represented every year very very much so we always seem to get great entries from that side so well like that's the thing i would just highly encourage anybody you know regardless of your skill level or if you're nervous you know i think sometimes people think that it has to be these really impressive dishes but you know one of the judges favorites from a few years ago was just you know a basic uh, tomato soup so it's really you know it doesn't have to be this you know restaurant quality thing it's just what it means to you so Um, I know you have a lot of great cooks out there, so I'd very much encourage them to enter. Okay, we'll just remind them then of the web address. Sure, so it's homecookhero.ie, and you can also find it from the Easy Food homepage, which is easyfood.ie. Great to talk to you about it, Caroline, and we look forward to catching up with you later in the year to find out how successful the West Limerick people have been in it. Yes, definitely. Great talking to you, Sharon. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break you heard Caroline Gray explaining how to enter the Easy Food Home Cook Hero competition. The deadline is October 15th so you have plenty of time to get entering. You can listen to all the competition details that Caroline mentioned there and tonight's show again if you wish when it goes up on The Best Possible Taste podcast which is on soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show and I'll be uploading the show there later on in the week. Now every month we hear from Sinead Hennessy from Fulcher Ireland to get details of what food related events are coming up on the calendar. Last week she was on telling us about what's happening during August and one event is the Big Grill Fest that starts this Thursday in Herbert Park in Dublin and organiser Andy Noonan joins us on the line now to give us a few more details. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mm. Andy, the Big Grill Fest, tell us what it's all about. Yeah, it's a food, it's an international barbecue festival and competition. Um, we bring in local restaurants and some chefs from around the world. I don't even like to call them chefs, pitmasters. Um, um, uh, 
we set all, the only criteria we set for the festival is that all the food has to be cooked using live fire and smoke. So we don't have gas barbecues. We don't have any electric assist barbecues or smokers. It's all charcoal and uh, open fire pits. And we've got everything from American style smokers that you kind of commonly see on TV to the Argentinian style estado pits with the open fires and lambs and crosses and all sorts of whole animals being cooked over fire. Um, and then we've got a massive craft beer bar with loads of Irish breweries, uh, a Jameson Whiskey Fair this year as well, a uh, massive kids area, uh, Ireland's first uh, US style low and slow competition, uh, which is quite a big thing, I think, you know, coming to, uh, first time one of these has happened in Ireland. Uh, there's been some regional ones, but they've never actually uh, been a proper US style one. Uh, so we're we're really looking forward to that, and uh, we're, we're we're full up on teams as well. So uh, it's basically basically a festival of food cooked with live fire and smoke. The low and slow competition. Tell us a bit more about that. Is it teams of people that are entering it? Yeah. So there's there's teams of four. So uh, it, there's a minimum of four per team, um, and we've a load of UK teams coming over. Uh, we've one or two. One team, Max Slims in particular, just won grill stock in Bristol. Uh, bunch of swines they've won a couple of competitions over there they kind of be the in the top ranking uk team so but you get up to four minimum of four people in the team they come along uh, and they cook um basically cook different categories so we do an anything but which is uh, a category of their choice we do ribs chicken pork shoulder and brisket and they're all handed in at different times they're judged by independent judges uh, who are kind of trained essentially in, in uh, how to how to judge competition barbecue and then there's winners for each category and then the, the scoring adds up to a grand champion basically and that's announced on the Sunday. Tell us about the judging panel, who is on it? Um, we, have a, we haven't filled that fully yet actually so uh, we've, we're looking, there's a couple of local chefs coming on board, a um, couple of well-known names and uh, some, a lot of people involved in sort of the barbecue meat restaurant industry. Uh, John Relihan, who's from Dwan County Kerry and was until recently the chef in Jimmy Oliver's Barbacoa, the barbecue restaurant there in London. He was at Big Grill Fest last year and I believe he's returning this year. He certainly is. Um, he, he was great last year. Uh, he went down really well. Uh, his demos were brilliant. Um, but this year we've actually decided to change it up a little bit and bring him back and get him to cook. So what we've done is brought him over uh, we're giving him uh, a space essentially just like a restaurant and he's going to cook three different dishes over the, over the four days so on the we're, we're building this big kind of uh, building a massive fire pit a uh, big steel fire pit and we're going to put two rotisseries on it and a, and a big open fire grill and they'll all, they'll all be height adjustable uh, it'll all be open fire so it'll be a, a, an oak fire uh, with some apple wood and maybe a bit of turf thrown in as well um, we're doing rump steak on a Thursday and Friday, and then we're doing a, a wild boar. Uh, we're, we're doing wild boar all day Saturday, and then we're doing uh, lamb over the open fire on Sunday. So John is sort of bringing, I suppose, what, what uh, he's good at and what he's learned in barbacoa to Dublin, and that was a big thing for us this year is to try and bring what we don't have in, in Dublin and in Ireland uh, to the festival and kind of give people something they haven't seen before, you know. And DJ... Barbecue is going DJ to be there also. Barbecue. Tell everybody who he is. In his spandex, scars and stripes, uh, katsu. Uh, he's, uh, yeah, you can't, you can't miss him. Uh, he's great. Uh, he's really, really good. He's, he's, he just, his book just reached number one in the UK. 
um, his barbecue book that's on he did with Jamie Oliver, uh, his his YouTube channel, the DJ Barbecue YouTube channel. I recommend everyone checks it out. Uh, he's got all sorts of starter recipes up to kind of more complex stuff, and he's just. He's just so fun. Every time you watch him, you're just pulled in. Uh, he's going to be hosting. He's going to be DJing. He's going to be doing some demos. He's going to be wandering about, talking to people, doing some uh, interviews, and having a bit of fun. And that's what he's good at. He's, uh, you know, he just he just gets involved with the crowd and, and has a bit of a laugh. And uh, people seem to really like the Stars and Stripes spandex as well. <laughs> I'm sure they do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right to be held. Now this event caters for people of all ages and families in particular are well catered for you mentioned there some of the children's activities just elaborate a bit more on what you're going to have for families and for their children yeah on the saturday and sunday we've uh, well, last year we had a kids area and it was uh, it was packed all weekend and we had, we had a massive amount of young families there and so we decided this year we, we got a bit we decided bigger this year we've got more space uh, the council have kindly given us more space so uh, we, we created this a much bigger kids area. It's probably about five or six times the size of what it was last year. Uh, we've got like a buggy park. We've got uh, a whole range of different inflatables. We've got uh, face painting, uh, hula hoop workshops, shops, a bug hunt. Uh, we've got uh, make your own pizza. So we have to try and bring the barbecue into the kids area. We've got uh, a, wood, a mobile wood fire pizza oven and kids can make their own pizza and cook it and get to eat the pizza after um, and we've also got Mary uh, Miriam Lambert puppeteer she, she used to be the puppeteer for Bosco so uh, she's probably the best there is in the business she's going to be there on Sunday um, and we have a, another range of like kind of walkabout characters and we've uh, we've a magic show and uh, some other puppet shows as well so there's a hell of a lot going on that's mainly on the Saturday and Sunday because um, because they're the days of the big families there, you know. It is on from the Thursday until the Sunday? It is, yeah. We decided to add the Thursday this year, uh, Thursday evening, so it's half four until nine. And uh, Friday we're opening a little bit early, so it's half one until nine. Then Saturday and Sunday are 12 until nine. And you do advise people to buy their tickets in advance? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it sold out last year uh, in advance, which was, which was great. Um you know, so we're we're looking like we're going to go that way again this year. Uh, we were a bit unsure about Thursday, and it's it's, it's flying. So um, Thursday looks like it's going to be very very busy, and Saturday and Sunday are looking uh, looking looking pretty good that they're going to sell out again. And uh, I think we we just had a huge bulk of tickets sold to a few corporates in the area today. So Friday's looking pretty good as well. I, I advise anyone to that's coming to, to to buy in advance. It's uh, it's that bit cheaper in advance as well, and, and look, obviously it guarantees. Uh, guarantees your place you know because our capacity isn't massive you know so now it has to be said you do a lot of research for this event and you have traveled extensively <laughs> over the past 12 months researching barbecues and different festivals yeah we've, God, we've done a good bit we've we've been over at Grillstock a couple of times in the uk we we're at meetopia in sep- september last year in london and then i was in the u.s uh on back in may and i went all around the south i went from Nashville to Memphis and in Memphis I competed with a, with a team there actually in, in, a, in the, the, the biggest barbecue competition in the world the, the, uh, in Memphis in May um, which was just a phenomenal experience um, so I learned a lot there I have to say and, and, and how bar- what barbecue is it's more of a it's a pork based barbecue event and then when I finished that I went to New Orleans which was kind of a not so much a barbecue related trip uh, and then we went up to Texas um, which is a whole other 
a whole other county in terms of state in terms of uh, barbecue. To, you know, it's all about beef. The sauce is different. The, the wood is different. So uh, I spent a bit of time there as well, taking it in and meeting various people. And I went to the infamous Franklin Barbecue and queued from 7 a.m. and having <laughs> barbecue at half 11 in the morning, which was, which was kind of strange, eating barbecue for breakfast. But uh, it was really good. I met Aaron Franklin and... and uh, Hope to hope to see him in Ireland in the in the coming years as well. So uh, it was really good. Learned a lot, and, and uh, it's just it's insane to see how big a scale it is over there. You know, and what we're doing with the you, the long slow competition here is to try and you know we're we're, we're trying to make Ireland a destination for, for a competition. You know, um, because because there isn't one and it's growing so fast in the UK and around Europe. Uh, you know, we we firmly believe the competition is going to almost be. You know, an event within the event—it's got—it's got legs to grow really to something really big. You know, and we we hope to get a lot more Irish people involved in competition barbecue. You know, well, it sounds like a fantastic event. Just tell us how much it costs. Yeah, so tickets start at ten, um, and they go they go up to sixteen, and that's online. Um, there is there are some group deals left. We're nearly sold out of them, and I think that's the last deal is six for eighty on the Saturday and Sunday. Um, it's more expensive on the gate, so again. It's worth your while buying in advance. Um, so, but but we keep we keep our ticket prices as low as we can. Uh, you know, tenor on Thursday and Fridays, it's pretty good for what's going on. There's a, there's a whole heap of demos we didn't have last year and talks with with Jim Carroll from the Irish Times and the Weber Grill Academy. So, there's a, there's a apart from food and drink, there's a, there's a lot of free stuff going on inside and a lot of really really good guys doing demos that you know you'd uh, you, you know these guys charge a lot of money for courses and stuff you know so. And kids go free, is it? Kids under 12 go free, yeah. And the website is biggrillfestival.com. Great to talk to you, Andy. Best of luck with it. And um, I'll hope, I hopefully will get up for a spin at some stage. Thanks, Sean. Hope to see you there. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinter. Great to talk to Andy. And don't forget to log on to discoverireland.ie forward slash food for further details about the events highlighted by Sinead Hennessy from Falcha Ireland last week. That brings us to the end of tonight's show. Thanks for joining me and thanks to all of tonight's guests, Leslie Williams, Caroline Gray and Andy Noonan. And of course, thanks again to my colleague Trish McMahon for interviewing me about the food trip to Belfast. I'll be back at the same time next week. So until then, have a great one. Bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit.